Hello everybody, my name is Luis and I'm on staff. I've been here with CSAC for a little bit over three years. First one year, then I went to Mexico, Mexico for a little bit, and then two years now. Not that it matters that much. But anyways, I am very happy to be here. Tonight we come to John chapter 8. Everybody has an outline. If you don't have an outline, raise your hand. Um, Harrison needs... And um, so we've been covering several chapters in the book of John. This is our Thursday night ministry series. This is the third week. And we've been covering since John chapter 3 all the way to 7. And it has been awesome to see how the Lord Jesus meets man's every need. He comes as life and meets all of our needs. Super quick summary. We've done this in a couple of times before. John chapter 3. What do we see there? Nicodemus, very moral man, very good man. He knew the Bible. He came to Jesus seeking for more teachings. And the Lord showed him what was his real need. You know what was Nicodemus' real need? To be born again. He needed the divine life. He needed to be regenerated. Then in John chapter 4, we see the opposite. We see a very immoral woman. She was very, very thirsty. She had had five husbands. She was living with one that was not his husband. And she was unsatisfied. And the Lord helped her to confess her sin and to drink of him as the living water. So our Lord Jesus became her satisfaction. Then in Job chapter 5, we saw an impotent man. If you were here last week, you, you remember. This impotent man was laying on his mat for how long? 38 years. Can, couldn't walk. And he was in the midst of the Jewish religion, the temple, the law, and religion could not help this impotent man. And the Lord Jesus comes, and with one word, he releases him. He frees him. He enlivens him. And he starts walking. So praise the Lord that he is a life that can enliven us and can release us from any kind of bondage. Then in chapter 6, we saw man's need of food. The Lord comes to satisfy the need of the hungry, and He reveals us that He is the real food we need. He is the bread of life, right? He reveals Himself as the true bread that came out of heaven to satisfy man's need. And then, John chapter 7, what do we see there? Also, the need of man to be satisfied. It was the last day of a feast, the Feast of the Tabernacles. They were supposed to be very happy. There was a lot of food, a lot of everything, drink. And the Lord stands up and says, if anyone thirsts. So we saw that whatever this world has to offer, no matter how much we have it, there will be a, a last day and the Lord will come and become a real satisfaction. And so tonight we come to John chapter 8, and in this chapter, we again see the contrast between religion and the Lord Jesus. Uh, 
you know, religion cannot do anything for man. This impotent man couldn't walk, and so religion could, could not help him. What he needed was life. And in this chapter, we see a sinful woman who was being condemned. We're going we're gonna to read, and we're going to even have some, some brothers come up here. I brought some stones. <laughs> and you all might remember what, what is this chapter about. <laughs> and so, um, let, let's go ahead and read. You know, I, I read a, a very good example of um, the contrast of religion and the Lord. You know, if you have a dead man and you want to give him something really good, religion was really good. You know, religion has the law, has the temple, seeking God, worshiping God. There's a dead man and you have a, a, a diamond. You know, this morning I was reading and my son asked me, Hey, Dad, can you look up the star of Africa? And I had no clue what that was. And lo and behold, it's an amazing diamond. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's like really nice. <laughs> in, in one of the, the pictures I found, it says $40 million, which I'm not sure. But yeah, anyways. So imagine you come to a dead man with that amazing star of Africa and say, Hey, this is so good. Take it. You might, no, you're dead. <laughs> okay, so wouldn't that be nonsense? What does a dead man need? He doesn't need something really good. What a dead man needs is life. So this is what we see in this chapter. So let's go ahead and read uh, this first um, set of verses. Let's start with the guys and then the girls, brothers and sisters. Uh, brothers and two, go. And early in the morning... He came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. And I'll have the, the brothers come up in a second. But I wanted to read this first to show, you know, these were good people. This, these people that came with a woman, they were Pharisees and they were scribes. So they were good people. They were religious people. And why? But they're trying to catch the Lord. You know, in chapter 5, after he saved that, that man, it was on a Sabbath. They, they were trying to kill him, to stone him. So he, they, they, they're, they're trying to catch him. So, you know, the law says to stone this woman. Why didn't they just stone her? They brought her all the way to Jesus to try to trap him. And it, it was, a, you know, they thought it was, it was going to be hard for the Lord what to respond. Because let's say the Lord responds, um, okay, yeah, stone her. Let's stone her together. That's what the law demands, <laughs> right? That would have disqualified him as our Redeemer and our Savior. Imagine the Savior comes to save from sin, and he's like, yeah, stone her. <laughs> that, that's not a Savior, right? And on the other hand, if the Lord says, no, 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 don't stone her. What, 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 what have they said? You're breaking the law. You're not righteous. You're not of God. 
and we're going to kill you, right? <laughs> so, so, very tricky. So religion is, is, is interesting, it's funny. It's, it's positive, it's good, but, but it, it goes versus life many times. It goes against life. Okay, so now we need some brothers to come. I need two freshmen, two senior, and two um, juniors or sophomores. Yeah. <laughs> either, either of. Okay, Celia. So we got a... Okay, now we need two seniors and two freshmen. And we need a woman. Actually, a guy, but we'll be the woman. Uh, I got rocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grab rocks. Like, like two or three. Just leave some. Yeah. You only have one? That's just two. Who needs more rocks? Who's the woman? You're the woman? Okay. Okay, so the woman comes in the, to the middle. Hey, let's have one more. Jesus. Let's have Jesus. Yes, he okay. Or Alberto. Okay, so here's Jesus. All right, come here. Okay. So, um, so they come, right? And they ask, teacher, this woman, the woman goes here in the middle, and everybody's surrounding the woman here. This woman has been caught committing adultery in the very act. Now the law of Moses commanded to stone such a woman. What do you say? But Jesus stooped down, stooped down, <laughs> and wrote with his finger on the ground. Just keep writing. <laughs> you see the, the, the reaction of the Lord? They are like trying to get him. What, what, what would you say? What should we do? And the Lord just stoops down. Calmly. And then they keep asking him, what should we do? What should we do? Bother him. <laughs> okay. And then. Um, sorry. <laughs> but when they persisted in questioning, he stood up and said to them. He, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he who is without sin among you. Let him be the first to throw the stone at her. See the question? He who is without sin among you. So the Lord is taking the opportunity. In this, in this situation, they're trying to tempt him. He's using the opportunity to reveal the intrinsic problem with man, which is sin, and that no one is free from sin. And then, uh, when they heard that, they went out one by one. So I want the freshmen to drop your rocks on the floor. Just drop them. And then go. And now the juniors and sophomores, same. We didn't have any freshmen? Oh, okay. Oh, I said freshmen. My bad, my bad. Okay, suppose they were the older ones, the seniors. And now the freshmen, the younger ones, to the longest. So drop your rocks. Okay, and leave, please. <laughs> and Jesus was left alone, and the woman stood where she was in the midst. 
And Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, Woman, uh, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No yeah. one, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine, how do you think the woman felt? When everybody left, they were all trying to stone her. She got saved. Yeah, she felt saved, she felt cared for, loved her for by the Lord. And then listen to this. Uh, neither, neither, neither do I condemn you. Go from now on, uh, sin no more. All right. Okay, thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. That's fine, that's fine. Thank you. So the Lord used this situation to reveal that no one is free from sin. And that we should never condemn others. We all are birds of the same feather. How do you say? So we should never condemn others. We all have sin. We are not qualified to condemn others. You know, it's very easy to condemn others, to judge others. But condemning people or even rebuking people or trying to adjust people, that won't help them anyways. What will help people? What is what will help people? Life. The life of the Lord. You know, if somebody, if you have your roommate that is very messy or that did something to you and you're starting to pull out the rock inwardly, you know, <laughs> just remember who who is without sin. We are not qualified to condemn. We should care, we should minister life. That is one what can help people. I was talking to a student that is here, one of you. I'm not going to say who it is. But I was, I, I was very encouraged. He was, I, I was asking about um, how he's doing and then uh, his roommate. His roommate is a brother. And then uh, he was telling me, you know, he's been, my roommate, this brother has been pretty anxious. He has been very busy. He's not doing that well. And um, he hasn't been able to come to the meetings around. But then he said, but you know what, whenever I can, I ask him, Let, let's read. Let's read the Bible together. Let's read a little bit. And then, then we, we prayed for this roommate. Isn't, isn't, that, isn't that wonderful? Yeah. You know, we see somebody sin. We see somebody, and we, we can pray and give life that's to that person. Right. So that's what people need. And that's what we need. Yeah. And the Lord, he was the one without sin. If you notice, he was qualified to stone that woman. He was the only one qualified, but he did not have a hand, a stone in his hand. He did have a hand. He did not have a stone in his hand. So he was the one qualified to stone her, but also the only one qualified to forgive her, the only one qualified to redeem her, and the only one qualified to free her from sin. And that is the wonderful thing about this chapter. It talks about the matter of sin in a very wide way, very thorough way. The whole chapter unveils, we're going to see in this next section, many things about sin. But the, 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 the key point is that we need to see how the Lord wants to free us from all this sin. That's what He came. He came to give us life and free us from sin and fill us with His life. So let's take alternate again, uh, starting with the girls, the sisters, 34, and so on until we finish. Ready, go. Jesus answered them, Everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. You see 
See here in, in the book of John, as, as Chris was mentioning when he shared on John 6, the Lord first shows what he wants to do, and then he goes deeper for us to realize what is the, the problem, the intrinsic problem, and how can he free us. And this is the same in this chapter. So here we see, number one, that sin enslaves us. Right? In, in verse 34, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. You know, some of your friends, my, or many people, might say, you know what? I am free. I can do whatever I want because I'm free, right? But that's not true. Because, you know, if we try to stop sinning, maybe they, they cannot stop doing things. They think they're free, but they're enslaved. And sin Live, le, leads to death also. So it enslaves, leads to death, which we see in the last verse. You'll die in your sins. What else do we see here? The source, the source of sin is Satan. You are your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. They wanted to kill him, right? And he, he was sinless. They just wanted to kill him. Where did this come from? This comes from Satan. He's a murderer from the beginning. Um, actually, in the whole chapter, we see three main items of sin that encapsulates pretty much everything. And that is um, adultery, fornication, which is seen in verse 3, related to lust. Then we have um, murder, which is related to anger or temper, just <laughs> murder, and lies. Falsehood, which is contrary to truth. Our God is truth. He's reality. And Satan is a liar. He's false. He deceives. So these three, three main things we see in this, in this chapter. And the result, which is death. So now we're going to go to these next verses here. And pretty much is the answer to the question on top. Let's read the question, the, the title again. Who can set people free from sin? And the answer is Christ. And we see four aspects of Christ here. How about the, the guys, the brothers, read uh, 12 together. Go. Okay, so you can write there, Christ as the light. In this verse, we see the light of the world. We see the light of life. But just to keep it simple, just write Christ as the light. And I really treasure this verse, especially the, the, the expression, the light of life, because it shows that the Lord releases us and frees us from within. Sin was not an outward problem. Sin was injected into man. When man fell, Satan injected sin into man. It corrupted men, and it's inward problem. So there is nothing outward, outside of us, 
that can help us or release us from sin. But the Lord gave us life. And not only He gave us life, He came to live in us as life. And so this life, in, in John 1, 4, it says, In Him was life. And the life was the light. So the Lord is inside of us as life. And He is light. So this light is the light of life. And this life, little by little, as it shines, it nullifies. It kills the satanic element, the satanic nature. And I read about, I read about an example, which is the radium treatment uh, for uh, cancer, for cells, for tumors. So the person just sits under the rays, under the radium. And then little by little, this, this light is so strong, these ra this rays are so strong that it starts just killing killing all the negative stuff, all the cancerous cells. For the, 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 this therapy has side effects. And, you know, it's not good that it kills also good cells. But this, this radium therapy has no side effects. <laughs> it knows exactly which cells to kill. And not only kills, but adds the divine element. So this is the heavenly radium therapy yeah. and we want to be under this grace right. all the time right. place ourselves you know the fact that we are here don't you feel the lord the lord is here yeah. the lord's light is here yeah. right so we're just we're under the radiation then you you're with the brothers some want to play tennis tonight or soccer just when we're with the brothers we are walking in the light there is there's some light there when we're praying to the lord more light. So this light is just shining in us, killing, and uh, adding all the divine elements. Okay, let's, let's go ahead with um, the next verses here. Uh, the guys now, the brothers, 24 and 58, go. All right, so you might guess what is the answer there? Christ as the I am. And you know, this is pretty strong uh, statement. You know, they, they were talking about Abraham and are you greater than our father Abraham? And then he says, I say to you, before Abraham came into being, I am. Is this a grammatical error or mistake? It should have said... Before Abraham came into being, I was. <laughs> no, before he came into being, I am. And right after this verse, they wanted to stone him again because of blasphemy, because he was making himself God. So they understood what it means. I am. You know, I am is, I am who I am, is the self-existing God, ever-existing God. Actually, it's the title that God uses whenever he's in relationship with man. In, in, in Genesis uh, 1, he uses Elohim for creation. But right in chapter 2, when he forms man, he uses his name Jehovah. Yeah. I am. Because he wants to be everything for man. Yeah. Then something that I found really interesting in light of this chapter 8. 
In Exodus chapter 3, when he appears to uh, Moses, he calls him, right, and to, to go to Egypt and release his people from bondage. So it's the same thing we're talking about here. What was the I am doing in the Old Testament? He was releasing his people from slavery and from bondage under Pharaoh. And, and Moses asked him, if they ask me who sent me, what do I say? Tell them I am sent you. So this is, the, this is the name. This is God. The I am to save us, to rescue us from slavery. And you know, that's what he wants to, to, to be to us. I am. I am everything. I'm whatever you need. If you need light, you're in a dark situation, you, you, you need guidance, I am your light. We just say, Lord Jesus, I need you as my light. And, and he is. It's like a, I'm sure you've heard this example of a check blank, a blank check. <laughs> um, you just cash the check. What do you need? Do you need love for your neighbor, for your roommate, for your whatever? I need love. I cannot love this person. The Lord is. You know, I had an experience when I was in high school. There was this, this girl. I mean, sorry, this is exposes me, but maybe. <laughs> <laughs> that I just could not stand. Like, oh, just. And she, she didn't do anything. She didn't do anything. That's the worst part. She was not mean. It was, it was just, you know, my lack of love. And I was like, what, why is, what's going on? And then I started praying, Lord, you know, this is not okay. And I pray, Lord, what about this person? What about this person? And then I was praying so much that I'm sure the Lord infused his love for that person. And I ended up being like, you know what? I'm going to keep praying for this person. And I like her. And I, you know, I am. I am. We are not. But he is. If we contact him, if we, if we just open to him, then, then he is. So praise the Lord for I am. He's delivering us from sin. Okay, um, go ahead with 28a. Is it the girls? Yes. Go ahead. So this is very significant that the Lord mentions in this chapter that He is the Son of Man. And it's lifted up. And you can write down there, Christ as the Son of Man, lifted up. And this is because this great I Am did not stay far away, did not stay up there. He became a man. That's why the, the, the phrase Son of Man is very important here. He, he became flesh. He became a man. And if you were here when we touched John 3, or you're familiar with this passage in Numbers 21, in John 3, it says, as the serpent was, the brass serpent was raised in the wilderness, it's necessary for the Son of Man to be lifted up. So this is talking about the Lord being lifted up on the cross to die for our sins and bear all of our sins. And, and back there in Numbers 21, whoever looked, they were getting bitten by the snakes. They were poisoned by the snakes, which represents sin. So whoever looked, just by looking away to that pole, that serpent, they lift. They were healed. So this being lifted up is the Lord on the cross dealing with our sin, washing away all the sin by His blood. But also, and, and, and I really like this, if you want to write down the, the reference, is John 12, 31 through 32, where it says, it relates the Lord being lifted up with 
the devil being cast out and being judged. The, the, the ruler of this world has been cast out. So the Lord, as the Son of Man, lifted up, deal with sin, and dealt with, dealt with the source of sin, which is Satan. So he's fully qualified to free us from sin. And finally, um, 31 and 32, brothers, go. So this is the UT Tower verse. Many people don't know it's a verse, but it is. And especially, I like the verse before, 31, because it mentions, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And, uh, and 36 shows us who is this truth. This truth is just not a doctrine or a teaching. This truth is the reality, which is the Lord Himself. If therefore the Son sets you free, you shall be freed indeed. And so practically speaking, we need to abide in the Word. If we just abide in the Word, you know, we have a Bible reading schedule. I know of a couple of brothers here that are doing a, a special 30-day New Testament reading. So that's pretty intense but imagine uh, I've been observing they're doing this and they have no time to waste they're walking to class and you see them with their phone and they're so they're just abiding in the word abiding in the word what do you think is, is happening they're knowing the truth the reality and all of us whenever we read the Bible whenever we're in Bible studies small groups we're just abiding in the word and then the Lord, as this reality, infuses, dispenses His element into us. And it's like, um, you know, this matter of being freed from sin is not like, like a one-day thing. It's, it's gradual, it's progressive, like the example of the, the radium therapy. Also, this matter of the truth is like um, metabolic, organic um, healing. It's like taking a medicine, you know, that... Is dealing with all the problems we have, but on the positive side, it's, it's replacing with new element. So we're discharging the old element. The more we read the Word, the more we pray over the Word, all that sinful element is, is being discharged, and all the divine element is being added to us. Praise the Lord that He sets us free Amen. as the truth, as the reality that is in God. So um, I, want, I want us to do something real quick to try to remember some key points here. Um, so we're going to talk to our neighbor, and we're going to practice telling our neighbor the following. John 8. In John 8, we see, in case somebody asks you, like, how was the meeting or what did you cover? <laughs> in John chapter 8, we see who can set people free from sin. Number one, Christ as the light. Number two, Christ as the I am. Christ as the Son of Man lifted up, Christ as the truth. And then at the end, I want you to write down this sentence. If we abide in His Word, He will set us free. So you got it?
John 8, the title, and then the four points, and that last sentence. Is that okay? So let's do that for a minute or two. <laughs> okay.